Welcome to BIV Today. We are the daily business news show from BIV Newspaper and BIV.com, and I'm BIV reporter Tyler Orton. And all week we've been talking about the future of transportation, especially how the pandemic has impacted things in our immediate paths, as well as what's to come. And I think that ride hailing, ride sharing has a big part of what the future is going to play for Metro Vancouver, especially with us today to offer some great insights. I'm sure it is Peter Lukomsky. He is Lyft's general manager for British Columbia. Peter, great to talk to you again. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Oh, thanks for having me here, Tyler. So obviously it was a very kind of short period of time between uh, when Lyft began operating end of January here in Vancouver and when the pandemic really pushed everybody into kind of uh, lockdown mode for much of the economy. What was your initial reaction from the outset of the pandemic? Well, uh, it's interesting because, as you know, we only had about seven weeks to operate in Vancouver. So uh, there was a lot of pent up demand for ride sharing. Uh, people started getting into the habits of using ride sharing for, for all the ways they wanted to get around Vancouver. And then all of a sudden, mid-March came. Um, it, it, people hadn't yet really baked in the habits of how they were going to use ride sharing uh, into, into their lives. And so we saw... Uh, obviously a, a sharp decrease in the number of rides. Um, but what we did then was we said, all right, you know, we're faced with a new scenario here. What should we do about it? What we did there was really pivoted the business to uh, providing rides where they were needed most. Uh, we partnered with 10 uh, not-for-profits um, and unions across uh, Vancouver to make sure that essential workers could get to work, people could still get their groceries, people could get to the pharmacy, really used what we had as a transportation network to provide that essential service. Um, so it was a sharp decrease, uh, but we pivoted and uh, we, we really kept the drivers who were seeing this as a new earning opportunity busy um, while serving the community. Well, obviously, the economy, we've been into kind of the recovery, that reopening mode for the last few months. What have you observed just with regards to transportation habits around the region? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, during the height of the pandemic, we really saw those essential rides. People were staying home, which they really should have. Um, and what we're seeing now is, is a recovery. Um, we're, we definitely are seeing an, an increase in rides uh, to places where people are enjoying the city. Um, we're seeing more rides to uh, restaurants that might have the outdoor patios. We're seeing ride, rides to nightlife um, and hopefully you know, socially distanced light, nightlife. Um, and we're seeing rides to places like uh, ferry terminals uh, and um, and uh, transit stations. So people are exploring the region and they're integrating ride sharing into their overall transportation mix as they as they get out and see the region. So one of the other things that people might be concerned about right now is hopping into a vehicle with somebody that is not in their social bubble, you know, a, a driver. What would be some of the health concerns that people have or, or how are you addressing those health concerns for those riders? Sure. Well, the, the health safety of our riders and our drivers has, has always been a top priority. Very, very early on in this process, we implemented health safety protocols for our riders and drivers. Um, we were one of the first to uh, ask drivers and riders to self-certify that they were wearing masks and that they would follow reasonable protocol like 
um, not riding or driving if they've got symptoms, um, sanitizing surfaces frequently, uh, making sure the windows were open if the if the ride allowed for it and the weather was good. And, and you know, more than anything, we didn't allow anyone to sit in the front seat. So really, it was um, keeping as distance as possible, but also just being very respectful of the guidelines that were being provided. We also offered our drivers um, personal protective equipment, so really distributed gloves, masks, uh, sanitizer, to make sure that they were as comfortable as possible continuing to drive. One of the issues, though, that uh, you've been bringing up, uh, other operators have been bringing up as well, though, are those Class 4 license requirements. So, And we've had ICBC, they suspended driving uh, tests, uh, road tests as well. How has that kind of impacted, you know, what your ideal position would be for getting enough drivers on the road to feed kind of the demand that's going on? Sure. Well, it's a great question. Uh, very much, uh, you know, the, the class four license requirement has very much been uh, a, um, a, 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 a essentially a, a challenge in getting as many drivers as we need on the road. When the when the testing of the class four licenses got suspended, uh, it really pulled back our, our driver community from adding for uh, pulled us back from adding drivers to the driver community. Uh, now the tests are back. We're starting to see you know some new class four drivers uh, trickle in, but we're also starting to see the demand for ride sharing really heat up. Um, and so we're always watching to see whether there are going to be enough class four drivers available to serve the demand that that eventually Vancouver will bounce back to. So I, I can tell you, I personally, I, I live on a, a busy thoroughfare. I, I've been observing kind of driving habits, you know, uh, more people on the roads now, certainly compared with March. I want to know how you feel, you know, Lyft and other services can kind of fit into the picture about getting people back into the workplace as we move forward with economic recovery. Okay. Sure. Well, there are, there are two sides of it. As you know, we're, we're a two-sided platform. One side of it is really providing that flexible earning opportunity for drivers. So if you can get that class four license, which now the, uh, the province is testing for again, uh, Lyft can provide a flexible earning opportunity. 93% of our drivers in Vancouver drive less than 20 hours a week. So this is an opportunity that anyone can take part in if they're interested in driving for uh, and with Lyft. Um, the other side of it is we're getting people out to the businesses that they enjoy around Metro Vancouver. We're getting people out to those patio restaurants. We're getting people out to doing the types of things that help the economy um, bounce back. You know, Lyft is so new, as you said, we weren't able to form those habits that you'd expect before the economy went into lockdown mode. Uh, I was speaking to Kevin Desmond, the CEO of TransLink yesterday for the show, and he said that they expect ridership on transit to be down for perhaps two or three years. I'm wondering about your hopes for getting traction with regards to these services here in Metro Vancouver and British Columbia. Well, people are still going to need to get around the region. Um, and so what we want to do is provide as, as safe as possible um, an alternative to things like, um, you know, individual cars or transit or whatever it might be that people um, use as far as getting around the, the, the city. Um, we're really committed to an overall being part of an overall sort of transportation as a service network um, and, and being part of a multimodal network. So. Um, some people will use a lift to get to a transit station and then take the SkyTrain and then perhaps walk from the SkyTrain station. We're committed to being a, a great partner with 
all the other elements that are out there in the transportation network to provide that multimodal system. Yeah, uh, Kevin, he brought that up as well. Like he's really big on kind of pursuing that multimodal option for commuters. Um, maybe you can expand on that. You, you know, I, I think it's something that we have to consider as transportation is changing so much. But how do you see Lyft and other services kind of fitting into that uh, that puzzle box there? Yeah, so um, in other markets where we operate, um, we actually have uh, scooter rentals, we have um, bike rentals, we have transit within our app, we have a number of different modes that are available within the app. Um, And that's really Lyft's vision. Lyft's vision is to build cities around people and not cars. Now, with uh, us just bringing ride-sharing to Vancouver, that might seem counterintuitive um, to start, but really the bigger vision is to to really take a look, a serious look at single car ownership. Those cars sit idle 95% of the time. If we can share the cars that are out there on the road through ride-sharing, if we can use bikes, if we can use scooters, if we can use transit, we have an excellent transit system in Vancouver. We have an excellent bike lane system. All those elements should be part of that overall multimodal uh, transportation network. Um, and, uh, and, and in other cities, we do have bikes, we do have scooters, we do have transit in the app. Um, and we look to roll that out in, in, in all the cities that we operate eventually. So I, I recall when I started talking about this, writing stories about, say, driverless vehicles, maybe about five years ago, I got a lot of skepticism uh, directed at, uh, at me. And I, I know that Lyft uh, has a lot of hopes for this. And maybe you can kind of talk to me about that vision about how driverless cars will be playing a future in the way that we get around cities. Well, ultimately, to fulfill that vision of creating cities around people, we need to look at how people move around. And autonomous vehicles are coming. Um, We have invested research into the autonomous driving technologies. uh, And in a couple of our regions, uh, specifically in in Phoenix and in Las Vegas, uh, you can actually call a Lyft and it can show up as an uh, autonomous vehicle. I was in Las Vegas about uh, a year ago and uh, we were uh, calling an autonomous Lyft. Uh, Now, there are still two safe safety drivers in the front. It's it's very much a controlled environment, um, but it's coming. Um, now, what we see that as is, is becoming part of the mix. Um, so as autonomous technology fills some of the use cases for travel, um, it'll be blended into that overall multimodal network. What do you envision maybe the future of, you know, single occupancy vehicles in Metro Vancouver? I, I, I think people do it because it's comfortable, but I, I'm wondering if maybe there's kind of an economic reason that it may fade away uh, at some point. Well, ultimately, uh, it's about using the resources that we have wisely. Um, those single occupancy vehicles sit in parking lots downtown. They sit in parking lots around shopping malls. They sit in our garages. All that space could be used for something so much better. It could be used for parks. It could be used for green space. If we didn't uh, attach ourselves as much to such large vehicles that take up so much space, um, just imagine what we could do with that space. Um, So there's the space perspective, but then there's also just the efficiency of the whole network when you take out that single occupancy vehicle um, out of the mix and, and, and really put people into the right transportation mode for the right portion of the journey. So maybe taking a Lyft um, rideshare to uh, a transit station and then from there taking a SkyTrain. Maybe hopping out of that SkyTrain and then taking a scooter to your final destination. 
maybe it's raining and you just want to take the lift the whole way. So it's, it's really giving people that flexibility and choice in order to have that multimodal approach that's most efficient and most comfortable and most safe. So obviously, Business of Vancouver, uh, we have Vancouver in the name, but we cover business across British Columbia. I'm wondering, what do you think the prospects are for Lyft moving into other regions beyond just Metro Vancouver, which you guys have established yourself in early on in your entry into the province? Right. So our focus right now is very much on Metro Vancouver. Um, it's uh, it's a it's a very new market for us. I, I would say we've had you know seven uh, amazing weeks before the pandemic. We've had some great weeks now that we've been kind of coming out of the pandemic. Um, but there is a lot yet to be done in Metro Vancouver to make sure that we um, really establish what we stand for, what our vision is, and, and who we are in this city. Um, so our focus for now very much is Metro Vancouver, uh, but we uh, look at other communities um, on, on the list um, regularly. And uh, at this point, I'd say we're, we're, we're pretty focused on Metro. Uh, I'll leave you off with this question. It might be kind of a, a fun factoid for people that don't know, but I recall when Lyft launched uh, back in January, uh, you hopped into the driver's seat. Uh, you are a certified Lyft driver. You have your class four. Um, what's that like? Why did you feel that that was kind of a, a necessary thing for you to do as kind of the, the public face of Lyft here in BC? Well, I'm, I'm from Vancouver, so I've lived in Vancouver for, for over 15 years. Um, when Lyft approached me to run Lyft for Vancouver, um, I said, well, this is obviously a great opportunity to bring a, an amazing brand to the city. But in all of the roles that I've played, I've always lived and breathed the customer experience. And our customers, first and foremost, are the drivers who we need to um, bring onto the platform, who we need to just create a great experience for. Um, so first thing I did, I uh, was within a month of getting the job, was I went down to ICBC and started uh, figuring out what it was like to get that class four. I wanted to know from the driver's perspective uh, what it would take to become that driver. I went and got my um, record checks. I got my vehicle inspected. I, I went through the whole process. It, in going through that process, I gave our product team uh, a fair bit of feedback and, and we improved the process that we had. So for me, it's very important to live and breathe my customer's experience. Um, I'm a Lyft rider, I'm a Lyft driver. Um, we really, and, and as we bring different aspects of Lyft to, um, uh, to Vancouver, we're, you know, I plan to live and breathe all of those elements. Um, and I think it's a, it's a trait that really uh, uh, permeates the whole organization. One of our founders, John Zimmer, uh, famously drives uh, for, uh, with Lyft um, every New Year's Eve. He dedicates his New Year's Eve to bringing people home safely. Uh, so I think when you live and breathe the service you provide, you ultimately provide a better um, and, and more uh, attuned service to your community. Well, excellent. Um, you know, Peter, it was great talking to you once again. I, I just want to thank you for joining us on the show today. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much. That's Peter Lekomsky. He is Lyft's general manager for British Columbia. And that is it for the show today. But we will be back next week. We've got a new series focused on the technology sector after the long weekend. But for now, you can go to BIV.com for more stories and more interviews there. For now, I'm Tyler Horton.